This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's so lovely to be with you. And uh, it's lovely to open the scriptures to, um, to talk about something really exciting and launch something very exciting. So there's a lot to look forward to this morning. Oh, Father, we, we come to you. We submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your word. We submit ourselves to one another this morning, Father. And we say, do us good. May we collide with your presence, your goodness, your spirit, your truth, and would it not be an immovable force and an unstoppable object, God, would we, would we come to heal before your incredible goodness, your glory, and your power this morning? Have your way in us, transform us, allow us to become more like Jesus, wow, for the glory of your namesake we pray, amen. Amen. Good morning, guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Christopher. I am one of the leaders here, and uh, it's such a joy to be uh, with you this morning. We're continuing our series called Formed, which uh, I can't commend to you uh, highly enough. It's just been such a lovely time of talking about the various vehicles, the methods that God uses to form us, to shape us, to become more like Jesus, to become better followers of Jesus. And this morning, we're looking at the importance and the role that gospel community plays in shaping us to become more Christ-like. All of our sermons are on the website. If you've missed some, or you kind of, there's a, there's a whole list of them that we've gone through, and we're going to continue going through. Please do go and check in on the website, have a listen, catch up. They will really do you good. So, a quick honesty check. Uh, who here likes community? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, all the extroverts in the room are like, yeah, community, hand up, woohoo. And all the introverts are thinking, where's the fire escape? <laughs> all right. Uh, to be honest, that, that was a poor question, wasn't it? I mean, it was poorly framed, poorly phrased, because it, it really played into so many of the usual stereotypes. Um, of what community is in our culture and what we think of community. But what it does do as well, it underplays what biblical community really is. The question I really want to ask to kind of help us just kickstart our minds and our hearts off this morning, and as you answer it for yourself, it'll probably give you a sense check of where you stand on the issue is this. Can someone be a maturing disciple of Jesus without being genuinely connected to a church community. Okay, you've thought it through a bit? Some answers. No, don't. <laughs> this question hopefully whips up a whole lot of other things as well. A whole lot of 
info and thoughts come flooding in when you ask a question like this. Because surely salvation, and that's kind of the, one of the natures of the question, is the nature of salvation. The question is, you know, surely salvation is through Christ alone and through faith alone, right? So yes, you can be a Christian saved, going to heaven, without being in community. Surely the thief on the cross next to Jesus is an example of this. He's not baptized. He's not had some charismatic experience of the Holy Spirit. He's had no actual life change. He's hanging, okay? Nothing has changed in his life. He's just recognized at the end that Jesus is the Messiah and that he, the thief, wants to be with him. So technically, yes, it's got to be possible. What about that lonesome Christian on the hilltop in Tibet? They're saved, going to heaven, but like the thief on the cross next to Jesus, because he's a Christian, he doesn't want to be alone. He's longing for genuine gospel community. Think about it. The thief's request, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And we all know how bad the persecution is in places like Tibet and many others. But it's not being the Christian that's the danger to that lonesome man on the mountaintop. It's a danger when he desires to want to share the gospel and start meeting with other believers. That's when it becomes really dangerous. And that yet is the internal drive and desire of that man. So even these two extreme examples of Christians living outside of community are the exceptions that I would argue prove the rule. Being a Christian means being in community. Because the gospel creates community. This gospel, this good news of Jesus, the Son of God, is good news because it creates community. Why do we say that? Jesus left the perfect community of Father, Son, and Spirit to come and die for those who, spiritually speaking, were His enemies. For all have fallen short or for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus, being God himself, leaves heaven, and instead of coming and, and then creating a community of those who serve him and all of his needs, he comes down and serves all. And as he does that, Jesus immediately does away with the need to impress him. Neither can we ever impress through our service to Him as if He somehow needed anything from us. That's so important, whether you give or don't give, whether you pray or don't pray, whether you're in community or not in community, whether you're on a serving team or not on a serving team, in a group or not in a group. We don't need to serve Jesus for Him to love us. We are loved. But because of that, we want to serve. All men, all women, all people are now equal. We're equally dead 
in our sins and our transgressions. We are equal in our need for a Savior. We're equal in our standing before God. Equally unworthy of His love, but equally recipients of the undeserved grace of God through the forgiveness offered to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Equal. How exciting is this? I love it. Galatians says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? There are no such thing as a Jew or a slave or a free or a male or a female. No, that's clearly not what he's saying. But if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs, according to the promise, we are one, something new, a people of God. And one of the great sources of conflict in the world, when we look around us, is apparent inequality. Men, women, black, white, north, south, global west, global east, blue collar, white collar, those who speak a certain language, those who don't speak a certain language. There are multiple apparent reasons why people are different and unequal. But through Jesus, through faith, when Jesus took upon himself our sin and our separation from God, He broke down the barriers between us and God, but between man. The barriers are gone, done away with. All the major global sources of conflict can be done away with, should be done away with. In Christ, they are done away with forever. Tim Keller puts it like this. The gospel creates community. Because it points us to the one who died for his enemies, it creates relationships of service rather than selfishness. Because it removes fear and pride, people get along inside the church who could never get along outside. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? If you haven't, come on. Because it calls us to holiness. The people of God live in loving bonds of mutual accountability and discipline. Don't we just love those words? Mutual accountability and discipline. Yes. The gospel creates community. And because Jesus triumphed over the grave, when on the third third day he rose again and later ascended into heaven and glory, all of those who are saved by him will be united permanently with him and with one another when he returns and makes the new heavens and the new earth. This period in which we now live, this period between the ascension of Christ and his ultimate return, his second return in glory, is the training ground for what we will be doing for all eternity. But what that then does is it's like, yeah, okay, I'll wait until then to really get stuck in. Because it's also, apart from the training ground, it is also the place where we demonstrate to our very best ability, empowered by the Spirit, we demonstrate the good of the kingdom of God. The kingdom that has come partially, and we demonstrate the hope of the future of that kingdom that will come in fullness and in all power. 
Let's read Revelations in a couple of uh, sections, two sections. Chapter 7. After this I looked and beheld a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out, out aloud with a, vo- with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. The separation was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. What an exciting future we have. That is your future if you are in Christ. And the gospel creates community here, now, and for all eternity. A leading pastor summarizes this point. Community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is. Because He is community, He creates community. It is His gift of Himself to humans. Therefore, the making of community may not be regarded as an optional decision for Christians. It is a compelling and irrevocably it is a compelling and irrevocable necessity. A binding divine mandate for all believers at all times. To be saved, to be part of the people of God, to be a Christian means to be saved into gospel community. It's not an elective add-on. It is part of the gig. But a vehicle no matter how pretty, is never created for its own sake, is it? Maybe, maybe Aston Martin. That's just a work of art. It doesn't need to be driven. But a vehicle is designed from going from point A to point B to achieve a purpose. So equally, Christian community is designed by God for a purpose. And that purpose is found in, an, uh, other pla- in amongst other places in the Great Commission which is Jesus' commission, His mandate to the church in Matthew 28. And it reads, As Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So to begin with, let's just state a couple of the obviouses. Okay, the world is big, we are small, and we can never achieve the mandate of God to go into all the world and make disciples on our own. Yeah, check. Secondly, maybe it's just me. 
But we are not people who by nature want to go anywhere that doesn't suit or fit us. We need each other to spur one another on to love and good works, as the writer to the Hebrews puts it. And thirdly, teach them. Teach them is easy to do alone. Attend a Sunday meeting. You can do that. You can come early. You can leave. Sorry, you can come late. Leave early. It doesn't matter because you've been taught. Open your Bible at home. Listen to a great sermon online. Listen to a podcast. Read a great book. Teach is easy. But that is only half of the command. Teach them to obey. That is critically where we need each other. And isn't it interesting how these two commands in Matthew 28 that Jesus says kind of defines a disciple is the process of discipleship that he highlights, namely be baptized and learning to obey are community activities in Jesus' view. One of the reasons why we love adult baptism and why we celebrate that as opposed to only as babies is this. Notice the order. To become a disciple of Jesus, we firstly actively choose to follow Him in His baptism, where we celebrate physically the spiritual truth that we are united in community with Father, Son, and Spirit, and with believers, disciples from all the nations. There is a union that's created in that moment. And following that act of obedience, baptism, we continue to learn to follow Him in His radical obedience to God the Father by then placing ourselves in active community of believers who will help us and train us to help put and keep God first in our lives. So both Jesus' baptism and His radical obedience were for our benefit. We've got to hear that. We've got to hold on to this. It is... God's kind means of grace to us. Because up until now, this might have felt a bit kind of obediency. Yes, obedience. But actually, following God's ways are not only right, they are good for us. As uh, our author before said, because he is community, he creates community. It is his gift of himself to humans. In him is the gift. In him is the gift of fullness and joy. In him are streams of living waters. In him are the patterns and the ways of doing life that are a blessing and are fruitful and joyful and good to us and to those around us. There's something so precious, and I feel profound in Genesis 1. When God creates the universe and the stars, He speaks to the heavens, and He says, bring forth the stars. When God creates the sea creatures, He speaks to the waters, and He says, waters, bring forth life. When God creates the land creatures and the air creatures, He speaks to the land, and He says, bring forth life. When God made man, he spoke to himself, saying, 
Then God said, let us, that community, make man in our image and our likeness. Think about it. You take a fish out of the thing from whence God drew it forth, the sea, what happens? You take an ostrich and you put it in the ocean and you say, swim, buddy. Not going to go well. The chaos we see in the world around us, I would argue, is the symptom of humanity trying to live our own way outside of deep community and relationship with God. Without grace, without the grace of Jesus, mankind is a fish out of water. But Jesus' substitutionary death in humanity's rebellious place allows us to reconnect fully to the source of life and goodness and all things to God himself. A full and abundant and purposeful life is found only in connection to the Trinitarian God in community who brought us forth out of himself and his good and perfect ways for his people are found in him. God first family and friends. This is why to fulfill the mandate Jesus gave to his church to be disciples of Jesus and make disciples of Jesus in all the nations. We need Jesus and we need community with one another to help us live in God's good and perfect fullness of life, giving his life-giving ways for us and the world around us. John Ortberg writes, God uses people to form people. And that is why what happens between you and another person is never merely human-to-human interaction. The Spirit longs to be powerfully at work in every encounter. Every encounter. There's no uh, mistake why there are 59 commands to one another, one another, in the New Testament alone. Things that Jesus does for his followers, and we are commanded through the work of the Holy Spirit to do for one another, so that we can learn to obey, and we can live in God's very best for us. Let's rattle through a summarized list, because honestly, there are about 20 that say, love one another, so I'll just summarize it under one. Okay, but let's As we read this, I want to ask you, what is the context, what is the best context for these things to take place in, in our day-to-day lives? Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Come on. When you come together to eat, wait for each other in reference to communion and the abuse of it. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yes. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Spur one another on towards love and good works. Do not slander one another. Grumble. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. However, don't please be tempted to feel exhausted when you see a list like this as as if they were expectations on you alone. This is a list of some of the ways that God looks to be gracious to you and to do you good through your brothers and sisters in close community with you. When you are tired, when your faith is struggling, when you're depressed and feeling low, when you're unsure which way to go, God has chosen to allow the people in your close community to be part of His process of lifting you up, of filling you with faith, using their spiritual gifts to bless you and help you, and putting joy back in your heart and to help you with what to do next. You want to know where your particular gifts, talents, and passions get discovered and trained and released? Well, in community, of course, in practice towards your brothers and your sisters who need them desperately and who are blessed by God through them. There are going to be many times where I need your help and I need to lean more heavily on you as my brothers and my sisters. And there are going to be times where you need to lean more heavily on me in seasons of life. But by God's grace, we are imperfect people being used by Him to do one another good and to accomplish God's perfect will in one another's lives. And it's as if to highlight this point, in the New Testament and the early church, the worst possible thing that could ever happen to a believer was to be put outside of church community. How sad that so many people choose to live their Christian lives in this state of excommunication and not see the beauty and the power and the blessing of God working in and through the close community. Hey, We love Sundays, do we not? Yeah. Because we get to be the wider community of God, worshiping, the gathered community, worshiping and enjoying God. And on Sundays, we get to achieve part of the Great Commission, which is to teach one another. What we cannot do effectively in this context is to teach you to obey, to teach one another to obey. And God first, the reason why God first communities are so important to us and why we're so thrilled that we're going to be relaunching in the next couple of weeks 
And the readers, uh, reason why the leaders have gone through training and committed evenings and have sacrificed so much are because they've recognized, we've recognized, and I'm sure you've recognized that midweek small communities are the place where that one anothering takes place and are the place where the teaching to obey moments of life happen most effectively. A pastor said, it is in small groups that people get close enough to know each other, to care and share, to challenge and support, to confide and confess, to forgive and be forgiven, to laugh and weep together, to be accountable to each other, to watch over each other, and to grow together. Personal growth does not happen in isolation. It is the result of interactive relationships. And small groups are God's gift to foster changes in character and spiritual growth. Wow. Why do we sit around dinner tables together midweek? Why do we make cheesy circles in the living room? Why do we buy biscuits and instant decaf coffee? Why do some people... I know. (laughs) Why do we spend our time learning to play the guitar? Or setting up Spotify playlists? Why do we spend time looking through the G1C materials and preparing for our times together? Why do we pray that the Holy Spirit would be on and with our people? So that together we might grow up into Christ, who is our head, into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ, our Lord and our Savior, so that we may learn to obey in all things, so that we might live in all of the good that God has for us, both individually and for us as a church so that we might live to the praise of His glorious grace. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be at this point. I hope you are as well. I hope this puts some faith in us to reorganize diaries, reprioritize our lives and our world, because we see the importance that God puts on it and just the benefit, the blessing, the good it is to us and to one another. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.